When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Thank you so much for uh, listening to us. I, I messed that up. I was looking at, I was making sure the recording was doing right, and I forgot to say, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. What and the worst line? It's my my uh, tribute to to John Ward at the beginning of the show that I love that I worked in there, and I messed it up. What a shame. We do thank you so much for listening. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that sounds like something you want to listen to regularly, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Make sure that you subscribe because then you won't miss an episode. And uh, we got other content for for Titans, Predators. Uh, Buck Rising's show, if that's what you are into. Um, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports.com for everything that Zach and I write about the old Vols. Exciting show today. Zach and I just got done talking to uh, Ramon Foster, former Vol offensive lineman, a former Pittsburgh Steelers offensive lineman for like 10 years, a stalwart of the NFL. Uh, he talked to us about the Vols, gave his opinion on Josh Heupel and everything going on there. That was a great time, but Zach and I are going to just sort of lay, lay down the, the groundwork here, talk about the Alabama game uh, and and a little bit of the bye week too to set up for that and then we'll end with the interview it was genuinely really good Ramon is awesome uh totally understand why he got into radio after the fact uh he was great and so uh excited to share that with everybody but first I'll say Zach what's up man yeah man I'm just uh still trying to process this Alabama game and come to terms with a 28 point loss but feeling good about Tennessee after that (laughs) loss it's kind of a paradox here where I'm really not sure how to uh, how to feel because I do understand I've had a lot of Alabama fans in my mentions talking about the final score and how Alabama pulled away in the fourth quarter but at the same time for 50 minutes of game time Tennessee traded punches with Alabama I mean Alabama scored Tennessee answered it was you know what it kind of reminded me of when Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather fought in 2017, and everybody expected Floyd Mayweather to just come and and knock Conor out maybe the first round, and then the fight goes eight or nine rounds. Conor runs out of gas. Floyd does what he does. It's kind of how – is that a weird analogy? I don't know, but that's kind of how it made me feel. I I agree. I kind of had a weird time with the game – because it is really exciting. Obviously, you were within seven points by the fourth quarter. Um, but it made me really bitter. 
I, I came into like the post-game show with Crompton, and I was just pissed off. Because I, you get that close with Alabama, and you go, man, this is impressive. And then it ends up being a 28-point game, and you just go, ugh! Like, I hate that the final score looked that way, because that's not really what happened. It wasn't a 28-point game. Tennessee just ran out of gas right at mm-hmm. the end, and Alabama ran up the score. Yep. And that pisses me off. I also had a weird experience because Tennessee was really chugging, and then there were some, genuinely, some questionable stuff that Josh Heupel did in that game, and I just talked about it on Twitter. And I think people were really not in the mood to talk about that. I saw some of that. <laughs> and and I just, you know, it, it came from a place where I was mad because it was getting out of hand and then you look back and you go what it should have could as is always the case with Tennessee football I hate it um or at least very often the case and and just people didn't want to hear it and I got a lot of blowback somebody said that my take was Wes Rucker bad oh <laughs> and god listen, I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> listen here okay uh I will stand I None, nothing that I tweeted on Saturday night do I take back. I apologize for nothing. There is nothing that I, I stand by at all. But I think it was a, a matter of timing because what I said was that this is really impressive from Hypel. I even used the word impressive. I said this, this team is playing at a level that I did not think it would, period. Like not even in the same stratosphere where kind of Tennessee has played. Said within seven points in the fourth quarter of the Alabama game in Tuscaloosa. Are you kidding me? But I also watched that game. And the decision to not go for it on fourth and one. Mm-hmm. The conservative play calling. The unimaginative play calling, I, I think is how I would categorize it. Some just general we, we've already talked about on the show and this didn't really come up in the Alabama game but some of the stuff like like his his two-minute offense is kind of a questionable strategy his short yardage play calling mm-hmm. which might be the reason why he's scared to go for it on fourth and one short yardage play calling like there have been things that I look and I go can we not I like I go I love where this is headed I love where this is headed can we take it to that next level because I as crazy as it is, I feel like Tennessee has played this well, and I feel like it could have gone better. That's the craziest part. And it's I feel like people didn't want to hear it at that point. I get it. It's fine. Um, and But I really do feel like I am impressed, and it could have been better. Like, those two things can be true all at the same time, and I think they are to, to me. Do you agree? Am I, am I an idiot? No, I, th- I think your frustration is a great sign uh i think tennessee fans should be happy you're frustrated at the play calling uh, and that might sound weird but they should be happy because you're frustrated about a specific reason that you feel like tennessee lost this isn't like years past against alabama where it was just tennessee's not even in the same class as alabama the game's over by the end of the first quarter when it's 21 to nothing alabama when amari cooper's streaking down the sideline for multiple touchdowns you know, this wasn't that. This was Tennessee's in this game. These third down calls matter. They matter a lot. Exactly. Tennessee picks up this third down. You know, they can go tie the game. They can take the lead back. It's encouraging that they were in that situation. And because of the progress we've seen this season from Josh Heupel uh, with the situation he took over, installing 
a brand new offense. You know, we saw that interception with Hendon Hooker where him and Javante Payton read the play differently. That's Tennessee's whole offense. They're reading the defense every play. The fact that that's not happened more shows you how well coached, uh, how well Hypo has coached this offense. So it gives me confidence that he will figure this out, that he will figure out the short yardage. He's going to see this is an area where Tennessee's struggling. He's going to steam something up where they can convert these third and ones, third and twos. Because he said after the game, you know, that was that was a problem. It put their defense in a bad spot. And look, Tennessee's defense did a fantastic job against Alabama. They just ran out of gas and yeah. three and outs killed them at certain aspects of the game. So I think Hypo will, will figure it out. I, I really, really hope so. And, and I got a lot of that response to when I said this. Um, I think it was Reed Carringer football time in Tennessee or previously that um, and he said something to the effect of like he's he's still a young coach just kind of learning on the job and there's certainly an element here to try to be as self-aware as I can be here without a doubt there's an element of just being like can we not have a coach that learns on the job at Tennessee can we be past that because I do feel like Heibel he is way way better than Pruitt. Like Pruitt was like beyond a deer in headlights. I mean, Pruitt's just dumb. He was an idiot. He just sucked <laughs> pretty comprehensively. He was just bad. Didn't know what he was doing in over his head. Ego, ego maniacal from everything that you hear. You'll actually hear that uh, from, from Ramon in our, <laughs> in our uh, interview, a um, little bit of insight into that. But, uh, but with Hypel, I, I see it. Like we've talked about it in previous weeks where we go, there are things here that show that he's been a head coach before and that he has competence. And and that's amazing. And I think that's why Tennessee has played better than I ever thought they would. But there are just elements where I go, can we not? Are, can This is Tennessee. This is one of the previously one of the most powerful, proud, elite programs in college football. Just... Once, can we have a coach that's not learning on the job? Can we can we get a, a Rick Barnes in football where you look at Barnes and you go, the guy knew what he was doing from the second he walked in the door all the way down. He had been a coach at a giant program for years upon years upon years and, and knew what he was doing. And now I have plenty of criticisms for Barnes for different reasons, but that whole learning on the job element, it's PTSD. I, I'll put it that way. Not like I know people think that I'm nitpicky and complaining and annoying. I know it. You don't have to tell me. It's okay. It's PTSD from that where I just go, yeah, but Butch was learning on the job. Dooley was learning on the job. Pro was learning on the job. Can we not get a guy who doesn't have to do that anymore? And there's a frustration in, in that to me. While I also, again, this isn't an effort to be as self-aware as I can be. I have to take a step back and go, that is what is happening. This is the situation that Tennessee is in. They're not, you know, it's not like they're going to get another coach and I don't want them to get another coach. I think Hypel is going in the right direction, but there is just a frustration there for me where I just go, why can we not enough with the learning on the job stuff? Can we not just have all of the pieces fall together correctly? And it's, and the most frustrating part is, as we've already said, it's so close. So you played with close with Alabama for three quarters. That's amazing. You're so close. Hopefully it all comes together against Kentucky. That, that's what I'm hoping. Get, get guys more healthy and it comes together against Kentucky, but that's conversation for a little bit later. Yeah, I think we we have to remember, though, too, at the same time that while he is learning how to coach against Alabama and some of these upper echelon SEC teams, 
you know, this was Alabama he was playing. Maybe those play calls worked against South Carolina. They worked against Missouri, yeah. maybe Ole Miss. I mean, Alabama, they're, they did lose to Texas A&M. That doesn't mean they're not still Alabama. They're number three in the nation now. That pr- that game probably pissed them off. They probably won't lose again until maybe the SEC championship game. And who knows? You know, you never count Alabama out. This might be the future national champion this year. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. And Alabama, somebody tweeted this to me. I thought it was a, a great analogy. It's like Alabama's playing with a full house and Josh Heupel's got a pair of twos. And that's what they <laughs> yeah. went into this game with. And it's important to remember that Heupel didn't have the depth. He had key players out, key players banged up. Tennessee hadn't had a bye week yet. Um, the fact that they were in this game you know, within seven points in the fourth quarter was shocking to me. Uh, and like I said, the fact that we're even complaining about some third and short play calls, it's, it feels good to actually have something that matters worth complaining about, not just, well, that was a, why did we even watch that game? You know, there's been so many Alabama games over the years that you're, you're checked out by halftime, and thank God that wasn't the case. That's, a, that's and, exactly. and Nick Saban had to have sweat a lot. I mean, he was yelling – he was he couldn't take a break. He was worked up, and that was fun to see, if nothing else. It, yes. I mean, it's it's that. Like you gave me a taste of it. They shouldn't yeah. have done that. Don't give <laughs> me a taste of it. That that was what I said in response to a few people who who gave me a hard time. Like they were like, Man, I you know, I like what you do usually, but you you just always got something to complain about. But I was like, don't like I wouldn't be complaining if Tennessee was just comprehensively getting its butt kicked. I would just go, oh boy, all right, here we go again. See you later. Like that, it doesn't invoke a response. The fact that Tennessee played close for three quarters invokes a response because I watched that game. Th- that fourth down, punting on fourth and one, mm, I will stand, that was tough. stand by it. That was a mistake. That, that was the first was time. That was the first time in eight games that I saw Josh Heupel and I thought he doesn't really know what to do here. Yep. Because, and, and he admitted kind of in the post game where well, he straight up admitted in the post game press conference that they were going forward at first. They changed their mind. Couldn't get the punt team on in time. They took the delay of game. It's not like he took the delay of game on purpose. He was trying to decide what he wanted to do. I almost would have felt better about it if he would have, been like, yes, we're going to punt in that situation because we believed we could stop them and flip the field and have some belief and conviction behind that decision. But instead, it was like he was flip-flopping. And that it's not strike one. It's nothing like that. Every coach, uh, Nick Saban, every coach over the course of the year is going to have a couple of decisions like that. But it was disappointing, I guess. Like, I, I 100% get that call. I still, in almost no situation, would I like that call. It, at all. It, it can be the first drive of the game. If you're at the 50-yard line moving the ball and you come to fourth and one, just go for it. Just, mm-hmm. I'm not, if you don't get it, I'm not going to rag on you about it because it's just, I love, I love aggressive play calling. That's, I mean, if you've heard me after, what was it, the Missouri game where Josh Heupel just stepped on their neck and he just mm-hmm. said, come and stop me. Come and stop me. That's the mentality that I want to see. Just do it go and have conviction and go on that fourth and one, even if you, if it hasn't been converting earlier in the game and, and you just hindsight is 2020 and it's easy to say it now, but the ensuing drive from Alabama is what broke you. It was a back 
game-breaking drive. It was long, and it was tough on your defense, mm-hmm. and it ended with a touchdown for Alabama, and the game was over at that point. It wasn't like there was no question that Alabama was going to win after that. Um, and, spe- and, of course, that touchdown was kind of delivered to them. Thank you, refs. Yet again, the SEC refs really coming through there. Uh, very arguably, it was a fumble that Tennessee recovered. But there are so many Alabama fans that have popped up in my Twitter mentions over the last 24, 36 hours that have said the words clear recovery by Bryce Young. Where? And I've I've yet to see and I've invited them. Show me the view of the recovery of of Bryce Young with the ball. Because there isn't one. The ref took the ball out of the hands of a Tennessee player when the scrum ended. So... How did he end up with the football? <laughs> that is the question. Nobody ever saw Bryce Young with the ball. Yeah. And there I, is an angle where you can, I'm not going to say you can clearly see the ball moving under Bryce Young because it's it's hard to see, but it does look like the ball is is on the ground and it makes sense because how else is a Tennessee player going to get it? Because if Bryce Young is on top of the ball, it's going to be really hard to have the ball while you're on your side. Um I mean, we can speculate all day long. The fact of the matter is, you're right. A Tennessee player had the ball. We never saw Bryce Young with the ball. So where's the clear recovery? Just another another example of great SEC officiating. Thank you, Greg Sankey, for doing nothing uh, about that. You're doing a great job. And by great, I mean terrible. Um, <laughs> but the, just beside that, like, you know, you could have had the fumble there and recovered it, and that would have changed the game. Sure, but just on the whole, I really, really didn't like that. And I'll say all of that and then also say, what an effort, man. I, I, you know, I can do all of that complaining, but at the end of the day, my takeaway from that game is that was a hell of an effort. Like, wow, you really, you really gave it to Alabama for three full quarters and then you ran out of guys. And, and yeah, there were, there were questionable coaching decisions in there, but on the whole, despite some of the questionable coaching decisions you you got bounces you got the bounces to go your way in a lot of different situations Bama screwed up all over the field and on I would say on at least one of those you took advantage of it and then what was it didn't take advantage of the fumble went through yeah that one was that one was brutal and then got a field goal I believe after the block punt yeah um, how do you feel about Mike Eckler now after the block punt because I did read or I did uh Josh Heupel said that that was something that Tennessee saw this week in Alabama's punt formation, something that they could exploit, and they worked on it all week, and they they executed and, and pulled it off. It was fun to see Henry Toto get blown by on that play uh, and get exposed. And then, yeah, that is a great play. I 100%. Um, I will say in, the, in that game, the special teams is not something – that I would hit on. Um, and I, that has been my primary thing mm-hmm. that I hit on. There wasn't much to complain about in weeks past. And that was the one that I went to and Hey, whatever, get it fixed. I, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's my whole message to hype. improve, improve this stuff, see what you're seeing and improve this stuff. And I mean, I think you're cooking with gas against Kentucky. I mean, I, I'm almost surprised that it isn't just an even, you know, and I think what is Kentucky? Well, I'm sure Tennessee favorite? will drive it to that by November 6th. They wouldn't surprise I, me. Yeah. Um, Kentucky's like three, four point favor right now, but I bet it'll get a lot closer down to even by game time. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, you just look at Tennessee right now, and they have to be a scary team to Kentucky. I don't know about Georgia. We'll see. Um, but like per se, you maybe comprehensively beat Kentucky. That Georgia game's interesting. For mm-hmm. sure that Georgia game's interesting. Uh, as much as nobody has even really been able to touch Georgia this season, you'd Tennessee would be the first. <laughs> but, well, think about it like this. If, if Tennessee was... Hendon Hooker plays against Pittsburgh, and uh, Cedric Tillman, I guess, was the receiver. If he catches that pass against Ole Miss to win the game, you know that six and two, they beat Kentucky. You go into that game seven and two. Yeah, that Georgia game would be huge at that point. Yeah, well, this is the same team. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback that you didn't play and one missed pass. That's it's the same team. The record might be four and four, but it they're just as dangerous. And and let's just heap praise on to Hinden Hooker too, because he's man, been great. God, I I actually had I so I covered Mississippi State for a time in in a past life, and I had a Mississippi State fan uh, tweet me and was like, "What a pass!" The pass to Cedric Tillman, he mm-hmm. the again Mississippi State fan, not a Tennessee fan, no no real, you know, uh, skin in the game, was just like this dude launched this football like from his hip, didn't really even step into it, launched the ball how fit 40, 50 yards, whatever it was, perfect, dropped it right in to Cedric Tillman, hit him in stride, beautiful touchdown. The dude is just he's a playmaker. And he's just killing it right now. And I mean, that, that's it's been a well, joy to watch. Well, let me ask you this. We've seen two Heisman contenders in the past two weeks with, with Bryce Young and Matt Corral. Did they look that far above Hendon Hooker to you? Man. Maybe the rushing, but that's been Tennessee's lack of contain. But otherwise... Me and Crump had this, me and Crump had this exact conversation on the, on the post-game show. Uh, I would say... They are the only two quarterbacks that I would probably take over Hinden Hooker. And Bryce Young is questionable to me. I got to see Bryce Young in a system that's not filled with six-star players. I mean, I just, it's always questionable with Alabama's quarterbacks. And it's been a habitual thing with Mm -hmm. Saban's quarterbacks. They go into the NFL and it turns out, oh, wait, you're not that good because everybody around you was amazing. (laughs) Um, You know, and and so I'd have to see him. But Bryce Young's special. It looks like. It appears. Yeah. He's he's got something there, um, but yeah, but Matt Matt Corral, I would take over Hooker. But other than that, I mean, who will Will Levis the Kentucky? Who <laughs> like who Will Rogers at Mississippi State? I mean, I'm not taking any of those guys. Calzada Texas A and M. I no, I the Stetson Bennett. <laughs> yeah, who? Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, just look at that top three in the SEC by a mile, and I mean that that's in. Whoop. Uh, just turn myself up really high there. Uh, didn't mean to have to edit that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's awesome. I, I've just cannot, cannot say enough. Yeah. He threw that interception, miscommunication, saw what he was going for there. It just didn't work right. It's his second interception of the season. What am I supposed to say? The dude is playing out of his mind. Like when, when you just look, you look around, I mean, Patrick Mahomes didn't throw a touchdown th- th- this weekend, and and Hinden Hooker is out here slinging it at Alabama. So who's who's better, Patrick Mahomes or Hinden Hooker? You tell me. No, just, well, just it's, I think you just <laughs> Hinden Hooker, Derrick Henry, Patrick Mahomes right now. Yeah, that's true. So. Derrick Henry threw more touchdown passes than Patrick Mahomes did. 
Um, yeah, fun fact there. Uh, but you tell my hooker. I mean, this proves that Josh Heupel is a quarterback developer. I mean, Virginia yes. Tech didn't want Hendon Hooker. Not that they didn't want him, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't going to play, so he he left, went to Tennessee, and suddenly he's one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. That wasn't going to be the case if Jeremy Pruitt stayed at Tennessee. I mean, we know totally. It wasn't always the quarterbacks; it was the development, and that I mean, that's so refreshing. We, My goodness, we questioned that at the. I think we have an episode from yes, earlier in yes. the season called "Is Josh Heupel Actually a QB Whisper?" Because the Milton situation didn't look so hot, and then now I look and I go, "Proof's in the pudding, boy." The hooker's awesome. The system is awesome. When when he doesn't when he doesn't go overly conservative or anything like that, the system is great. And so I, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm all about it. Just keep, as long as Hypel can keep, keep the heat up, keep evolving. You know, I, I just, everybody's saying he's, he's learning on the job. I want to see that proof. Um, and I'm still more than happy with what I'm seeing. Uh, well, I think, I, we, I, I think we're seeing the team progress a lot. And if yeah, you same, go back and same. if you play Pittsburgh now, and Pittsburgh's pretty good, but I would I would take Tennessee now. And I pick, look, I picked Pittsburgh when they played. I, I think Tennessee I would think, be probably favored in that that game. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I had them at four and four right now. I haven't missed yet, and I think I would take Tennessee over Pittsburgh right now. I think I would too. And so, all the way around, it was a fun football game, but one that again, it just it makes me ill. Alabama and just seeing them all just smoking cigar and Harry Toto after the game just I can I just say I wish Jerome Carvin would have gotten to you know like in front of him he wanted to he didn't the ref stepped in look just let it be hockey let it be hockey <laughs> let him have it out that's all stick I'm around saying. stick around for Ramon Foster's thoughts on on Henry <laughs> T here in a, in a little bit <laughs> no I <laughs> I'm it's all in jest for you kind of um <laughs> so, with all of that look said, if Alabama fans can boo injuries at the end of a quarter when the yeah. trail Bumpus was down on the ground at the end of the third quarter and even the announcers acknowledged that Alabama fans were booing I don't want to hear anything else about Tennessee fans where clients. where's where's the think piece Dan Wolken hey Pat 40 <laughs> can we get Get a trashing of the Alabama fan base. So stupid. Uh, but we just wanted to kind of do a quick, just our quick thoughts on that. Obviously, next week, we're going to have full preview of the Kentucky game. Talk about the bye week, anything that happens. Hopefully, it is a nothing bye week. I sort of want to have nothing to talk about. Get these boys healthy. Get them in the best shape possible. My big one, get Tyon Evans healthy. Because it's so clear how important he is to this team. I think that Alabama game highlighted that not being able to get like a yard on fourth and one. Um, he's huge in that he did play, but in a very limited capacity, um, get all those guys healthy, get Cade back. Oh man, mm, that's yes. a killer too. get Cade Mays back. And Dane get Davis it. has done a great job filling yes. in, but it's just not mm-hmm. the same. No, it's not. And so get everybody as healthy as possible. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, but Zach, before before we split into this uh, Ramon Foster interview, any parting thoughts? I'm uh, I'm kind of excited for a weekend off. Uh, need a, a a breather. Enjoy some. Uh, I don't think people realize that when you're 
you're talking about Tennessee sports, you're writing about Tennessee sports. The way you watch the game is just, it's a little different. It's not as, it's, it's a much more stressful experience. It feels like, especially when you're, you want Tennessee to win. And, uh, it's, uh, it's nice to have a weekend off, just to enjoy some other college football games. Yeah. To be totally honest, things are amazing doing this when Tennessee wins, but when they lose, it's not like my life's greatest joy to come on <laughs> and talk about how Tennessee lost in a horrific way. I spent like that old miss game last week. That's that post game show with Crompton. That was like one of the toughest broadcasts I think I've ever done. Mm. And that, yeah, that we was did. A- I, I was with Swain all the way through, um, all of the Shiano stuff and all that. And those were some torture sessions. Some of those mornings. Oh, I bet. Um, and, but that, yeah, let's have way less of that and way more where we're talking about, you know, maybe beating Kentucky. Be great. Um, so we'll preview Kentucky game, uh, get all of that in next week. And otherwise, this interview with Ramon Foster really was killer. He's over there at J. Martin Ramon on 1045 in, in Nashville every morning, 6 to 10 if you are in Nashville, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central time. But he absolutely killed it with us uh, and enjoy that. And otherwise, I'll say, it is Esports Podcast Network feed. Uh, go rate, review, subscribe at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, uh, at AO, at A to Z Sports. I guess you should say that. And A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach and I will write. I think this week I'm going to do like a, like maybe just grading everything from Josh Heibel, breaking it down. So look look out for that. I, I've already sort of started on it. And, uh, and so look out for everything that we write there. And otherwise, uh, I think that's it. We'll get to this Ramon interview, and we'll talk to you all next week. See you guys later. All right, we are uh, welcomed now by former Vol and former NFL player Ramon Foster and current host of uh, J Mart and Ramon on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, Tennessee is going to talk to us about the balls and whatever else might come up. Ramon, thanks so much for coming on with us. Man, never a problem, fellas. I appreciate you asking me to come on. This is pretty cool, man. Well, we really uh, appreciate your time. Uh, let's just get right into it. Vols, four and four so far. A lot of people thinking better better than we probably expected. How, how have you seen it as a former player? I honestly did not know what to expect meeting hypo uh this past uh spring was one of those you didn't know what to expect from him again it seemed like you know with danny white it was his hire you didn't know how good he was going to be you didn't know how he was going to compete in the sec his offense was one of those offenses that said hey this is just an air raid that's all i was thinking like man they're just going to toss it around it's going to look like uh, uh, a team full of athletes just throwing the ball around, and that can't survive in the SEC. That's what I was thinking. And even when we met him, he was just like, now nah, we're going to run the ball. Talking to Coach Ellerby, the O-line coach, now nah, we're going to run the ball. Have you looked at our averages is what he one of the things he kept saying. And I've actually been pleasantly shocked by that, the ability to run the ball. The angst that he's putting on defenses offensively has been – something I didn't expect that would work in the SEC. Now, I know we've seen offenses come in, and it'll be good for a little bit, but it always gets shut down. 
right now, I think the biggest deficiency might be the lack of players, might be the lack of, you know, just having available bodies and injuries. I'm shocked. I didn't know what to expect, but to have them four and four right now, playing three quarters close with Alabama, yeah, Alabama's still covered, but you look at the adjustments that they always seem to make after halftime. Um, the way these kids are playing, and I think we got to kind of say kids a little bit too because they don't know what they don't know at this point considering what they dealt with with Pruitt, the 10 year before that, and just the whole pandemic. He's found a way to bring these guys close enough to where they can compete on a level that I think everybody's taking a, a seat back to be like, this might be a real thing. Recently announced the Tennessee-Kentucky game is a 7 o'clock game. I honestly was thinking that'll be 11 o'clock Central game. Who wants to see us versus Kentucky? Kentucky's a better team. Tennessee's down. And I think when you get slotted for these type of games, even though it is ESPN2, you still got a night game against a ranked opponent. That shouldn't happen when 30 players in the transfer portal you got two tackles that are two offensive linemen that are that were starters last year gone. Two running backs that are capable of being starters gone. A starting linebacker gone. Um, it wasn't supposed to be like this this year. I picked seven and five just because why I always wear my orange tinted glasses. That's just how I am. But I felt like they could pull one or two. I thought the uh, pit game we could have had should have. Um, but now Pitt is looking better than we thought they were going to be considering they're number one in the ACC. Pleasantly surprised, man. Again, we get so much hate and just, hey, shut up, Vol fans, that I'm hesitant now, okay? Being on the media side and being for being fully engulfed in, in what UT Vols are as a fan that I'm like, okay, let me be cool. Let me just watch what's in front of us and honestly just kind of enjoy it. How were you? Uh, how were you feeling in that Alabama game, the first half when it was kind of back and <laughs> forth? I mean, what were the emotions like? Kind of because we talked about it on the show before me and Charlie yeah. uh, when they earlier this season playing Missouri and South Carolina. It kind of kind of felt like we got lost in these games. Like it felt like old Tennessee, even though it's a different offense. It really felt like you know this is how it's supposed to be. This kind of back and forth. It, it was, man. I was at a uh, restaurant in Georgia. My son's playing travel baseball, okay? We were in the middle of Georgia outside of Cartersville, and we're sitting down, and I'm trying to get good reception watching the game, and I said, Moan, don't do this tonight, okay? Control your nerves, watch the game as a fan, and just be quiet. Alabama scores, and we score. Okay, okay, all right, cool. I'm all right. Not going to get loud. Next thing you know, they score again. We're up 14-7. I go, I slap the table and go, yeah. Mind you, I'm in Georgia. It's a bunch of Georgia fans. We were at a Cajun restaurant. So there's LSU fans around, the owners of LSU fan and stuff like that. And I'm just like, are we really competing with Alabama with a depleted roster? I, like you said, it felt like 2009-ish and, be, and, and before. It felt like 2015. It felt like we had a chance. That was my thought. Now, of course, I, I was a realist about them. Like, Alabama's probably going to win. But had we had those guys I mentioned earlier still on this team, and I understand why those guys left. I, I'll say this. The in-conference thing, I'm not a huge fan of that. Henry T. and his family had to make a decision for themselves to go to Alabama. Cool. That's that's not how I rock, but I get it. But if you had those guys in the fold, 
with the way Coach Heupel has gotten this group together, and not only him, Tim Banks, Rodney Garmer, Coach Martinez, Glenn Ellaby, just to name some of the guys that I'm familiar with, I didn't expect it to be like that. Alabama's good. And, of course, everybody makes the excuse, well, Alabama covered the spread. But I'm looking at it like you got to almost be a little bit optimistic if you're if you're a Vol fan, and you got to be a little bit cautious if you're an Alabama fan at that series because – what we saw, too, and just realizing the tweets that were coming out, they say what they want to, meaning the Alabama fan base about that game. This isn't a rivalry is what they say. Well, guess what they do immediately after that game? They're going to smoke a cigar. They're going to say this is a cigar game. It still means a lot to them. They can play it down however they want to. And the way we played them this past weekend, it gives a little bit of hope to what's in store. If that pick doesn't happen and they're scrambling to make plays after that, you got a shot to really hold that under 24 points. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what you were looking for from the Vols, man. It was um, it was exciting. And the, and the letdown was real at the end of the game. But what do you expect? That roster is full of four and five stars waiting, even the backups. What are you supposed to do when you got a depleted roster and some transfers? Not even – the type of transfers that Bama got or that all the other teams got. Like, we got some guys that simply are just hitting their full potential. So you came in to Tennessee 04, right? Yeah, 04. So, you I mean, you would have been in a class that was probably like top five. It, it was. We were at least top ten. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was you're, – you're coming off like the golden years yeah. right there with, with Tennessee. So you know the feeling of everything that was going on. At that point, like uh, there's a lot of talk on a national level where it's like Tennessee is basically South Carolina. Now they're never going to be back. It's not, it's done. Just see you later. Bye. <laughs> what well, can, can, can Tennessee get back there? What's it going to take? Does this NIL stuff change anything? Like where, where are we at there? It does. I, I think one thing that, that helps us out right now too, is the, the talent inside the state has gotten a whole lot better. And if you can keep some of those guys who's going to Miami, who's going to Georgia, who's going to Ohio State, who's going to Alabama and Auburn, Notre Dame, Stanford, like I've been looking at this recruiting list, like if we can just keep half of those guys in state. And I was a guy that I wanted to get away from home. I was a West Tennessee kid, six hours for me to drive to Knoxville. So that's far enough. I, I get wanting to get away from home or seeing something different. But if you can keep half of those guys, and I think that changes the trajectory of where Tennessee is going. You got right now a kid in West Tennessee who's the number two overall dual threat quarterback that's going to Alabama. And I get why. It's it's cool. I get that. But, yes, I can, I can see Tennessee being a team that can at least get to a more competitive edge. If you get a team – well, I'll give you this scenario. They say Tennessee is done and, 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 you know, like they'll never get back. But what was Clemson before Dabo actually got there? They were nothing. You win a few games. You steal a few recruits. And then you, you control what's in front of you moving forward with good coaching, good development, good players. Then you can get back to that point again. I mean, it's only been two teams, honestly, that hadn't gone through a bad spell. That's freaking Georgia, who've yet to win a national championship recently. They hadn't had a lull at all. The other team, Ohio State, and they've won like two or three national championships. Aside from those two teams, other fan bases can just be quiet about getting back to the forefront. 
if we're being real about it. And right now, I'm actually happy, of course, that Clemson is down. Because if Tennessee can get back to recruiting their in-state guys now who just very talented, and the Carolinas, that was a huge point in where Tennessee was good. I'm an optimist. I'm a guy that went there. I want to see it be good. But seeing Clemson being down right now and seeing the talent that's in the state, I think you can get the guys that you want to to kind of push it over the top. And we see the template working, meaning Heifel's offense, meaning that defense coming out of nowhere this year for the Vols. You get the Jimmys and Joes, you got an opportunity. And that right there has been the biggest detriment this year. Well, talking about recruiting, uh, since you've spent some time with Heifel, you've talked to him, I know. How do you? How's his personality come across? You think he can be that elite recruiter? Because that seems to be the question that fans have yeah. the most. That I see the most on Twitter, social media is, can he recruit? From okay, so from the Ole Miss game is where I saw a bunch of the conversations about you know the atmosphere at Tennessee, despite the you know the French's mustard <laughs> and the golf balls and the empty liquor bottles. Okay, empty keyword there. Um, Every prospect and their parents, even Jalen Hyatt's parents, who's got a four-star son also getting recruited, Mm -hmm. was like, that environment is something that you want to be a part. This is a parent saying this. When you had the national media just bashing Tennessee by saying their fans are unruly and there should be an embarrassment, you got parents that saying they enjoyed it. You got you had the number one overall prospect in the class of 2024, at least the number one quarterback that said, I loved it. There was, I, 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 they were floored by. It. You had the number one prospect this year, who's also in Knoxville, Walter Nolan, that said it was an amazing atmosphere. He said he actually sat in the student section, which blows my mind. I guess he wanted the real feel of it. Um, you have him saying he loved it. You have other players that saying, I saw a linebacker recently that said, "Look, I don't know what else is out there, but it's going to be very hard to beat what Tennessee has." Like that's what you're getting from this this new tenure here. And so you asked me about my meeting and conversations with Coach Heupel. Just him and his staff, this is one thing I learned from the last group to this one, and even the one before that. I met Butch at a spring game, and he sells you. And I think that's just his personality. It's just he's up-tempo, got to say certain things to get you going. Um, Jeremy Pruitt, he actually was real chill when I met him. It wasn't a whole lot. I can't bash his conversation or anything like that. Now, hearing what the kids had to say about him and those conversations of people I know that's still inside that building, it was bad. It was ego. It was do as I say only. Okay. It was if you don't want to go to class, you don't have to. There was no structure. You fail kids when you do that type of stuff. You don't make them good human beings when you do that type of stuff. You lose your team when you allow that type of stuff in. No accountability in the weight room. No class accountability. You don't want to eat uh, and, and meet weight requirements. That's how you lose a team because there has to be structure. One of the things I've had to adjust to and being retired now, I've been playing football since the seventh grade, and every coach I've had has had structure. So me getting my structure in retirement is huge, and that started with my coaches. So with Coach Hypo and, and conversating with him, and you guys know Ron Slay also, and he met him, and we talked about it, and we were like, when I, when I met Hypo, it didn't feel like I was being sold something. It didn't feel like dirty. Like I, I shook his hand and I didn't feel like I needed to wipe it, <laughs> you know? And um, 
that's his approach. He's chill. We sat there and talk about travel baseball and our kids and stuff. And we talk about the game and he just was telling us, Hey, watch the running game. You'll see that we're going to compete. And he admitted to us, even before he said anything else, I got to get some big boys. I got to make sure this team looks like an sec part. And, and I think for him, we won't get a whole lot of his personality because he's only going to show it to the guys that matter to him. And that's his kids. That's those boys inside that room. And if, you're being honest. Is that what you guys have seen too? It's, it's like, well, what is he? He looks bland. He looks like he doesn't have fun. I think that's because he's focused on setting a culture and those other coaches weren't set on that. I think he's very sure of himself, whereas the last coach was always looking over his shoulder. We heard some stories about him being around that he would change a play just because he didn't feel right about it or he wanted to control it. And Hypo sitting back and just letting this guy do his thing. You guys know that over-the-shoulder ball stuff doesn't work. It creates more of a toxic uh, environment more than anything. And I'm not bigging them up because there's a lot to see. This has just been my experience with what I saw meeting him, talking to him, and just over the course of this season. It does seem like... Uh, I saw him when he was talking on the coaches show one week and he was talking about Leonard Little coming in and talking to the team. Yeah. And I kind of got this vibe that, you know, Hypo played at Oklahoma. He won a national championship. He doesn't feel like necessarily threatened by you guys that have played at Tennessee and starred. Like he's one of y'all. Like that's yeah. how it feels. It, it, it is. And that's what I mean. Like he's sure of himself. Like I'm a big guy. He's a big guy, but you don't see him out trying to run on campus to show people that he's trying to get in shape. This dude, like, I'm, I'm just throwing this out there. He's Rex Ryan-esque. If he want to eat Oreos, damn it, he's going to eat Oreos, okay? <laughs> you feel me? Like, I'm not yeah. saying that he does that, but that's the feeling that I'm getting from him is kind of like, man, y'all see me. I'm here. I'm like you. I understand what you're going through. And, I, of course, a lot of people, anti-Vols fans, was like, it's corny what you got those guys doing. But you know this to be true, too. If you're comfortable in your environment, you know you can get the max work out of somebody. If you tell somebody, hey, coach, I need a day today. Cool. I understand that because Hypo has actually been through that type of stuff, meaning a day off. Hey, coach, man, I'm going through this. Well, I know why. And and the first thing that he did with those teams, that uh, those guys this spring, was it seemed corny, but he let them have fun. They weren't having fun at first. And like you said, him being able to relate because he was a former player, I think that gets the respect of those guys. They can look him up and see what he did. They can also see his track record that with, with the stuff that he's done as a coach also. And um, I actually talked to, you know, I asked Josh Dobbs. Dobbs is, is a good buddy of mine. And I asked him, I was just like, is it fluff or would you actually want to play for Coach Hype? And he said this. He was like, Mo, I would love to play for a guy like that. I was, and I asked him, I said, why? He was like, because. He's like, I'm, I, he's like, I'm not sure if he's teaching them everything, but I know he's teaching them a lot as far as the progressions down the field, as far as how, he, how, how to run an offense. The reason he said he didn't know everything is because he hadn't actually been coached by him. But the stuff that you're seeing on the field from a quarterback position, you see – um, growth out of Hendon Hooker. You're seeing growth out of the receivers. They're picking up an offense, whether it's simple or not, gimmicky or not, according to Ole Miss, and they're making it happen. So um, it was – he's one of them so far, man. If we just leave him alone, give him time, Vol fans, <laughs> we might actually have something. What Kentucky did with Stoops, 
we got to allow that to happen with Heifel, I think. I, I kind of want to touch on that. That's fascinating to hear because I'm glad. It sort of confirms what I've thought about Heifel and having, you know, finally hearing it from somebody who talked to the guy is nice. Uh, but in terms of long term, yeah. I, I look and it is quote unquote gimmicky, this, this system and stuff it like can that. Be. But do. Do you? It sounds like you do, but do you feel like long term with that system, you get good players in here? That this will head in the right direction. Again, uh, uh, it starts with the Jimmys and Joes. Completely honest with you, even on a pro level. Let, let's go to a pro level real quick. Cincinnati Bengals. What have they been for years? Just down. Cleveland has been down. You get some good players in there with a good coach. You can have something special. Nick Saban, I love him. And I respect his game with what he's doing. But when you can go in anybody's house and say, you come to Alabama, you can do this. His charisma brings him there. The product on the field is those kids he's recruiting. That's huge when you break that down, man. And just think about this. In years past, we've had good recruiting classes. But they hadn't developed. We've seen this year, I think, if we just look at the players, they've developed the players. Um, so when it comes down to saying the longevity of what he's doing, is he capable of doing it? All answers kind of point to yes. Um, looking at, you know, the staff he's kind of put together with Rodney Garney, Gardner, who's been there, who wants to be there. Um, Tim Banks, who's been given an opportunity. The only thing I'm scared of about that staff is him. If he continues to make this defense look the way it is with how it's been put mm. together, every DC or OC wants to have a HC. <laughs> they want to be a head coach. And I'm nervous about that one, just being completely honest. Uh, he was a guy that's been given an opportunity with a lesser team. And I think I saw today they got more tackles for loss than any team in the whole Division One. How, guys? So, again, if you can get a five-star. You can get a four-star linebacker. You can get a five-star, four-star friggin' uh, cornerback and get a four-star quarterback and get running backs and an offensive lineman. Not just being over-the-top optimistic about it, but you got to say, he ran with Alabama for three. He forced Ole Miss to take shots, and he played the game of dropping like flies. Um, he's getting guys their stats um, the defense is playing lights out. And we're playing mostly with transfers, young guys, and walk-ons. And let, it's not like you're beating or competing against, you know, lesser teams. Like the pit game, the quarterback play, I think we can all say, hey, man, if Hendon was in, there could have been a different outcome. And Pitt has actually looked a whole lot better right now also. He's beat the teams he's supposed to really bad um, and competed against the others. The Ole Miss game could have gone either way the alabama game was very competitive um we'll see what kentucky georgia have in store for us but if he gets some players and develop and create a culture i know i'm long-winded in my answer <laughs> but i expect him to honestly be able to do the job and do it well there was a uh... one thing i want to circle back to that i wanted to ask you specifically before i forget and you kind of touched on it a little earlier with with Henry T transferring to Alabama <laughs> in your in your time at Tennessee and I know that's you know 
12, 13 years ago. How would that have been received when, when you were at Tennessee? And, and the post-game, you saw the handshakes and all that. How would that have went down during your time? I'd have, I'll say this. Post-game, I'd have dapped them up. I'd have been like, hey, man, keep doing your thing. Pre-game, the week of, um, during the game, can I pull the curtain back a little bit, guys? Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming to bleep him up. I, I understand why he left. I get that. And truth be told, and my, my co-host Jason Martin kind of said this too, he's like, you know what was, what's pending with Tennessee? Having Wanye, having E-Gray, having Henry T. leave, it, it, it might be good for him to be out considering, let's let's just say if the money thing is real. Right. Those four and five stars might have been a part of that McDonald's bag. They're gone. But – don't go to an SEC team. <laughs> Please don't do that because then I, I, it's a slap in the face. And you know that's your biggest rival. I played against guys that's gone to a rival before. And in those rooms, hey, fellas, he left us. It was a business decision for him, but he got to get it. Like, that's the way I would have looked at it. Like, I'd have, as, as a player, and I can say this sitting in the conference of this chair, but I've also done this. But I got to grab him and take him to the ground and give him a little bit extra because, look, you worked with us. And now you're going to sell it not with just any old team. You didn't go to Carolina or Oklahoma or Texas or UCLA or USC or, heck, even Vandy. You went to Alabama. <laughs> I respect his decision because he's old that they can do mm-hmm. that these days. That ain't in my DNA. That ain't how I would have rocked. And if it's me, I'd have had to have him. And everybody in that room would have had to also send him, find him. Coach, I need him. Let's run. Hey, let's go left. I will say it looked like Jerome Carvin was going after him at one point in the game, and the referee kind (laughs) of stepped in between there and saved him. (laughs) You know why? Because he's a guy that understands that. He's been there for those four years and just now getting his time and. I know some people that know him or that's been kind of, you know, uh, LaRon Harris is a guy that's, that played at Tennessee. That's his mentality. You know what I'm saying? And when you raise a certain way and you're known to, hey, it's us versus them, and I really mean that, you don't leave us to go to them. You're going to have to get everything coming your way. And if I got an opportunity to get you, I'm giving you some extra. Sorry, guys. I, I went I went black <laughs> right there, man. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. Uh I mean, I, I do have to ask. You were on the last Tennessee team that beat Alabama. You beat yeah. I, while you were while you were there beat beat Florida and beat Alabama both. Yeah, that's indeed. Uh, what what is that like? What is, tell, what I is was, it like? <laughs> I, was, I didn't fully I was, understand I was 16 it. Sixteen last time that happened, man. I'm so what was that? Two thousand six. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand six. It was the coolest. I kept a cigar. I got two cigars. Kept yeah. one and smoked oh. one. Okay. Oh, and it was the coolest thing ever. The ambiance of the locker room and guys trying to find lighters, allegedly, uh, <laughs> to, light, <laughs> to light up. It's the coolest. It's, it's, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's them. Like, we beat them. And it was just so freaking cool. And just knowing the history behind the game and um, res- when you respect the game and love the game, that's the reason I look at Henry T. It's like – you know the history because I'm sure it's been told to you. You understand what this means. Like, it's a hate on the field. Like like you said, 
the handshakes afterwards is cool. But that whole spiteful taking a smoke after the game because you beat your old teammates, I couldn't respect it. But to win the game on our side, man, was cool. Um, Coach Former had a good time about it. You know, the whole chant, we don't give a – yeah, that was – you long for that. You want that. And it's been a while. And all I can say is keep chomping at the bit just like everybody else at Alabama that's going at Alabama. I want it back so bad like that, that's that's the whole I thing I, I i get it i get a lot of heat personally i've, I've kind of so i, I, I don't too. know if you it, i was uh, i was co-host on swain jason swain show yeah. for a time and just like on that show i got this reputation for just being like this negative dude it's all i always got something to complain about but it, it just comes from like i just oh i want to win again like it's because Sought my whole my whole childhood all the way up to being a teenager, and it just it's it's like an emptiness inside of you that it just basketball. I'm glad that it's been awesome. Baseball, it's great. It's just, cool. It's not the same. It's not the same. It, it ain't, and and I think that's why everybody's cautiously like we might have something here. Those three yeah. quarters that we played against Alabama this past weekend, I think everybody felt that and knew that. Hey, support them get behind them, find a way to get those recruits in that stadium, and we got something cool, man, because everybody's chasing Nick Saban. Everybody's chasing Alabama also, and until he either retires or somebody consistently knocks him off, then we're doing the whole thing. We got to get to a point to where we're knocking them off, though, man, and it's going to take a lot. It's always a team effort. <laughs> uh, who was it that said it early? Oh, we had somebody call into our show and was like, you know, he's saying we're going to beat Alabama and kneeling next year, and I'm just like, slow down, <laughs> just <laughs> relax. But but I'm I'm like you guys when it comes down to seeing Tennessee be really good again. And and yes, we're snobby about it. We can be pricks about it, and we're hopefuls. And I need it in the worst way. I mean, it does. Feel, you know, in 2015, they were so close. I mean, yeah, it, that wasn't that long ago, and that we talked about that 2015 season a lot. I mean, that was. It could have easily been an undefeated year because all four losses were so close. I mean, it mm-hmm. feels like Heifel can get back there within two or three years. Is that realistic, you think? I, I, two to three sounds about right. Um, that's usually the timeline of when the university is going to hire. I mean, extend yeah. the fire coaches, too. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I want to give them more time because it's just oh, so yeah. much that's gone right now. But you're right. If you can do what you did with this so far, Beating the teams you're supposed to on the verge of making a bowl game. And honestly, this Kentucky game might be closer than what we think. Uh, let's just be completely honest about it. If they can get health, the Kentucky game could be huge. I said seven and five. I think that's still realistic when you look down and look at the breakdown at the rest of the season. And, and I'll say this too. It's, it's probably a stretch by me saying it, but we always find a way to get Georgia. You guys know that too. Now, Georgia's a, a friggin' vice grip though, but – Think about the history of that game. It's always close, yeah. We always find a way to get George. That's why I always laugh at them. Like, when we beat George in the past and we were bad, I didn't really take it seriously. I'm like, we always get Georgia. This team is different, <laughs> okay? But I feel like there's one shocker left in this team. Um, seven and five ain't f- isn't far off. And uh, I think if we can beat Kentucky, I mean Kentucky, <laughs> then that puts us over the top. Yeah, that kind of feels like the biggest game of the year right now. I mean, because that that would be seven and five, pretty much. If you know, he's got Vanderbilt and South Alabama then. 
Yeah. So for for the people to you know that make those decisions as far as productions go, and you guys is mine. I know you're interviewing me, but why would Tennessee get a seven o'clock game still? Yeah. You know, they they, they got to know Vol fans tune in. I mean, they. I mean, it, yeah. it, it kind of goes along with like why why does the national media feel the need to come after Tennessee fans so hard? If it you know if if it was Coastal Carolina's fans being, being oh yeah yeah petulant or whatever they they want to say they're not, writing, yeah. they're, they're not writing about that. It's because they know they're going to get a million clicks because it's Tennessee. Yeah. Fans. And, and and this like you said, Tennessee fans travel, they support, mm-hmm. and and I. College football, I think, is good when you have the legacies be good also. Mm-hmm. USC, whoever they hire, you know, it better be the guy. You know, Texas with Sarkeesian, you don't know what that's going to look like. But Bama being good, Georgia being good, Ohio State finally getting back to their old form too. Notre Dame always finds a way to crash out and burn. But, I mean, how much has been talked about because Clemson isn't good this year? Like, we talk about it. But it doesn't make the biggest clicks, you know. Like it's it's not the because they're not that type of school. They have been recently, but are they that type of school? Do you long for them to be good? Me yeah, it's pers- almost like I we expected no. it. It's almost like we expected Clemson to come back to earth at some yeah, point eventually. You see what I'm saying? So again, aside from Georgia and Ohio State, and recently Bama, even Bama went through a rough stretch. Mm-hmm. Nobody has been bulletproof. That's true. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, really, really appreciate your time, Ramon. Uh, I got to end on a final self-indulgent question. I'll be honest. It's That's, my podcast. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry to anybody. <laughs> your shot. Unlike it, it's free. Um, are the Titans headed to the Super Bowl? Why is the answer yes? Go. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the answer yes? Because of me being here and covering this team, they always do the unexpected. They simply do. Like, they can limp into the playoffs by the end of the season and go on a run that says they're going to make it. Uh, This Titans team has been fun to cover, honestly. And I'll say that, honestly, just as a fan, as a person that enjoys the game. It's been fun covering them because you don't know what you're going to get. And watching Derrick Henry do what he does, too, has been like, you just can't stop it. You just got to enjoy it and watch it. Vrabel has a way of rallying these teams, getting guys together. I mean, look at the two losses they had. I mean, two wins they had without Taylor Lewan. They weren't supposed to win in Seattle. And then he missed, uh, who was it that they played? He missed most of the Buffalo game and then missed all of the freaking Kansas City game. Mm-hmm. not supposed to happen and they find ways to plug and play i think the simplicity of what todd downing is doing so far and the way shane Bowen has found a way to get this rush up front to move and help out that depleted secondary if they get healthy i don't know if they're in the business of making a trade for a corner or something like that or secondary help if they were to ever do something like that that would take them over the top because the the threat of 22 has made AJ's game better, Julio's game better. And, again, Jason said this a while back, my my, uh, co-host, Michael Pruitt needs more of a role in that offense. Yes. Preach that. Yes. Yeah. Um, But, again, what is the AFC at this point? It's really any team's ball game to take. Baltimore get boat race. Then you have the Chargers think they're going to be the team. They get boat race. The Titans beat the Bills. Then Kansas City down. 
what is the AFC? That's the reason it's possible for them to go to the Super Bowl. And the Cleveland isn't they, – they're not what we thought they were going to be. Well, <laughs> I'll say from, from from your mouth here to God's ears, I let's make it happen. I want – we, I just, I need that so badly. If, if Tennessee can't deliver it to me, I got, I got to get it from Titans. I, somebody's got to win, please. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's it. I, I'll say now, uh, J Martin Ramon on 104.5 The Zone in yeah. Nashville. Pl- plug anything and everything that you got. Oh man, just catch J Martin Ramon, 6 to 10 Central Time, 8 a.m. That's what we're doing. We're doing this, talking sports, having a good time. I'm usually laughing and joking about something unless some Kentucky or Alabama fan call in. <laughs> if we're bad, hey, you can tune the station off, but we're here for a good time, man. That's all. Don't take things too serious. Good stuff. You heard it here. Ramon Foster, VFL and uh, NFL uh, player. For, well, I guess for, former NFL player. Former. And, <laughs> and, uh, and a great radio host and podcast guest. The very first podcast guest we've ever had. Uh, hey. Yeah. So, uh, so this was really awesome. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. No doubt about it, fellas.